This show is made possible by Web Central, creators of beautifully effective websites for small businesses. Grab an exclusive listener deal over at webcentral.com.au forward slash Timbo. And Key Person of Influence, a 40-week accelerator program designed to make you more visible, valued and connected in your industry. You can grab a free hard copy of their New York Times bestseller, over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. Eight years ago, today's guest, Lizia Begg, had an epiphany that she needed to move to Byron Bay to help her little sis grow a struggling jewellery business. Well, that business is now called Spell and the Gypsy Collective, and it's a multi-million dollar Fashion Empire. Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show. Where successful small business owners share their souls. To take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim And welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, but you, so much more importantly... You're a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. And as you know, if you are a listener of some time, that is exactly what we do around here. If you're new to the show, well, I think you're going to like it, particularly if you're a small business owner. Hey, big show today. We're joined by Lizzie Abeg, one of the founders of Spell and the Gypsy Collective, which is a hugely successful fashion label out of beautiful Byron Bay. There must be something going on on up there after um, my guest of a couple of weeks ago, um, the fellow from Source Bulk Foods. Now, um, Lizzie has enjoyed enormous success and a cult-like following since launching Spell on the Gypsy Collective eight years ago in a car park market, mind you. Uh, Also got feedback from a motivated listener who's getting results because they listen to the show. I love that. As per usual, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Now, coming up, an absolutely inspiring chat with one of the founders of a business that I have no doubt you and I will be hearing a lot more of in years to come. But first, you know, one thing that all successful small business owners that I speak to have in common is that they never, ever stop learning. Now, whether that means reading books, listening to podcasts, hey, that's a good idea, or attending conferences and workshops, every one of them is of the opinion that the minute they stop learning is the minute they stop growing. So well done to you for listening to this podcast because you choose to continue to grow. But to that end, I would like to share a few ways that you could expand your mind in the weeks ahead. Now, the first one is OzPod 2016, which is um, ABC Radio in Australia are holding the very first podcast conference at their um, Ultimo Studios, their head office studios in Sydney. They've got heavy-hitting presenters like Richard Feidler from The Conversation Hour, which is a great podcast, comedian and podcaster Michelle Laurie, 
and special overseas speaker, Manoush Zomorodi from the Note to Self podcast, which is also a great podcast that I listen to. Not one I've mentioned on this show before, but I encourage you to take a listen. Now, the bad news is this is an invite-only um, event, and it's on next Friday. The good news, however, is that I'm going, and I will be doing an episode shortly thereafter on all the learnings uh, that I take from that podcasting conference in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that one. Here's two, though, that you can attend to expand that beautiful mind of yours. As I mentioned last week, I am taking another Create Freedom Through Outsourcing tour, tour number three, actually, uh, to the Philippines. So I am looking for 10 motivated business owners keen to reduce their running costs, keen to remove themselves from their business, keen to create more freedom and joy in their lives uh, to join me. Uh, It's November 28 to 30 of 2016, and you can find all the details over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash tour. There is only 10 seats. Uh, I know that there's a number of people circling already about to take a few of them, so I don't expect it to be... um, uh, empty for very long. It's a great tour. It's a number three that I, number three, it's the third one that I've done. And I reckon you'll enjoy it if you want to grow that beautiful business of yours. Um, the other thing I want to bring to your attention to help expand your mind is the Improve Online Conversions Workshop that Web Central are holding in Melbourne and Sydney. These are incredibly inexpensive workshops where you learn about how Google works, how to plan an SEO strategy, how to convert website visits visitors into buyers. Who doesn't want a bit of that? Um, these are on October 18 in Melbourne and Sydney. You can find out the details over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash Web Central and use the promo code all uppercase, Timbo16, the number 16, you get a 10% discount off an already ridiculously cheap price. Now, uh, remember, as Confucius say, and I won't do the Chinese accent, but the mind once expanded never goes back to its original dimensions. So I encourage you all to keep on learning. Righto, coming up after this fireside chat, I share some feedback from a motivated listener who is getting results. But first, let's get stuck into today's guest, who is none other than Lizzie Abeg, one of the founders of an amazing business called Spell and the Gypsy Collective. (laughs) Spell and the what, I hear you say? Well, Spell and the Gypsy Collective is a Byron Bay fashion label with a cult-like following. The label began when Lizzie's little sister, Isabella, whose childhood, whose childhood nickname was Spell, hence the name Spell and the Gypsy Collective, started selling her handmade jewellery at Byron Bay's local markets. And before too long, Lizzie had an epiphany that she needed to be in Byron Bay with her sister. So she left her Bondi Beach home, gee, they live in nice places, don't they, and a career as a film editor to become Spell's business partner. Now, from here, the label has expanded into fashion, accessories, homewares. They even recently won the overall National Telstra Business Award Prize against some pretty bloody good competition, I've got to tell you, because I would know. I was the MC, and uh, I saw the competition. So these guys are good. Now, Spell is consistently doing over a million bucks a month, has 660,000 Instagram followers, and a flagship store in Byron Bay frequented by celebs from around the world. It's also, I reckon, a shining example of entrepreneurship and business passion 
in what is, I reckon, a notoriously tough and highly competitive industry in fashion. I mean, it's one of the most competitive industries around and fickle. Now, we cover a lot of ground in this chat from the early days of Spell to the importance of authenticity to why we should avoid perfection to some really critical factors in ensuring your marketing actually delivers. It's a good interview, I've got to tell you. Now, Lizzie grew up in a highly creative household, so I started off by asking her to describe what that was like. The thing about our household was that um, our parents were total hippies in the 60s and 70s, and they brought that kind of lifestyle and attitude to our house. But we actually lived in one of the Bless, bless Melbourne and bless the suburbs, but one of the dullest suburbs in, in <laughs> Melbourne um, called Cheltenham in a little suburban yeah. cul-de-sac. Um, and we, we grew up in this little very dull town, but our, our, our home was still filled with creativity. You know, our, um, the shed out the back had a, 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 a flour mill in it where mum ground all her own flour and made all her own bread and... Um, we had our photo. Uh, our bathroom was a photography studio where we developed photos. So we'd be having like baths, and then mum and dad would come in and put the table down over the bath and set up the chemicals and everything for the for the photography studio. And mum was a mature age student and yeah, was studying fantastic. geology and art and pottery, and um, it was just sort of all around us. So yeah, even though we lived in this really dull little area, we managed to create beauty and and and, and artistic lifestyle all around us. And, which and is now really- you've brought that into Spell on the Gypsy Collective. Before we talk about that, you've got some kids. Have you managed in this virtual world we live in, dominated by social media, to maintain that 60s and 70s kind of attitude with your kids? Oh, probably not as well as I'd like. Hard, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, we're lucky because we live in Byron Bay, so it's not hard. Like, you know, on Sunday we walk down a very steep cliff to a private beach down at the back of Brokenhead, you know, nature reserve. And Mm. and that's that's what you do on a Sunday morning from 8 in the morning and then you're just running around exploring caves and making sandcastles and that's normal for us. So around here it's quite easy to live a creative life because you're surrounded by artists everywhere. Is it still like that? Because Byron, you know, even I'm sure even overseas listeners, in fact, my guest on today's episode that goes out is Paul Medeiros from the Source Bulk Foods who also lives up your way and, you know, is Byron still a hub of creativity and spirituality and freedom? Definitely creativity. I mean, I think there's definitely the spiritual side to it um, here. There's a lot of, you know, kind of not-so-traditional Western medicines around and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But creativity, I mean, our neighbours, if I look at our, our headquarters, the neighbours around us is a photography studio an artist, um, a hoi uh, tra- trader who does amazing, beautiful sort of beach-inspired art. Then you have a little kids label across the road that does bamboo kids wear with little gorgeous images on there. Like every, we're surrounded. There's a glass blower around the Unreal. corner and a surfboard shaper around the other corner, <laughs> and it, it, you can't turn around without bumping into another creative and i'm not talking necessarily people doing tie-dye t-shirts but maybe they're an architect or they're you know a graphic designer or they're another fashion label or it's just yeah talk to me about tie-dye you mentioned it is it coming back (laughs) 
We've brought out a few titles. Oh, I have pieces. no doubt. <laughs> yeah, in, the, in the last week, just got a little kids collection, and we, we, we love it. It's so seventies, and you so know. well, it's sixties, isn't it? Sixties, seventies, it's all love the same it. thing. Love it. Well, let's talk about Spell and the Gypsy Collective because it is such a wonderful story and let's go back to how it all began. Eight years ago, your 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 big sis started it, right? My little sis. You're your little so sis. I'm, I'm the big You're sis. The, yeah, yeah. We're only 18 months apart so and she's got a twin sister so it's all very confusing because we all look the same. Yeah. Um, but she was my little sister, one of the twins, and she... Yeah, she was up in. She moved up to Byron Bay after deciding one day that she didn't want to sit in traffic anymore. Escaping Cheltenham. Yeah, escaping Punt Road traffic okay. actually. Oh yeah. And um, she moved up here and had already started making jewellery and moved up to Byron and, and kept making jewellery and started selling it at the markets. So she was doing that already before I moved up. And how was that going for her? Was it just like a way of you know paying the rent? Yeah, and barely that. I mean, she she was doing it more as a creative, just as a creative release, I guess. She mm. was still working at a backpackers, which is where she met her husband. Um, and she, you know, so she had jobs on the side. She was working at a video store and a backpackers, and and doing the jewelry and selling it at the markets. And the markets were only on once a month, so um, she needed that extra income. Yeah. Places, yeah. But she was kind of living her passion. She's kind of it's what she's been put here to do, right? And yeah, that's that that kind of kept her. So you're living the dream uh, in Bondi as a film editor, correct? Well, I, I was. For me, you know, when people ask me what I was passionate about, I'd say family or friends or lifestyle, and that's what I was. That that was my answer because I looked around me and I saw all of my friends living their passion by being an actor or being, uh, you know, a, a lawyer and they loved it and yeah, there's right. people driven by their careers. And, and I you just, just didn't, weren't. I didn't get it. I mm-hmm. just didn't understand why you would be – I just didn't know. I'd never felt it and I didn't know that – I guess, I mean, as soon as I felt when I moved up here and felt this feeling of being an entrepreneur or starting a business, it tapped into something that I'd never – even really knew was there. Wow, you know, a lot of people will never feel that, Lizzie. Mm. What well, you were you were in Bondi as a film editor. You made a phone call to Little Sis one day. Was it just like was it a, a, out of desperation? Was it just a thought that you had? And what did you say? It wasn't out of desperation. It was when I when I did make that call. It, it was it was the culmination of a year of kind of soul searching after a, a big breakup. And I'd done this sort of personal development course that all my friends had put money in. They all felt like Elizabeth's sinking. We need to bring her out of this. And oh, they put nice. money into this. I know. For my birthday, they gave me enough money that I could do this course that I'd wanted to do, but it was too expensive. It's not a Tony Robbins or a... It, no, it was called Human Potential. And it was just, it was kind of just, a, I don't even, I don't remember anything that I that I learned in there. All it did was... It's like I was in the dark and all it did was turn on the light long enough for me to see which path I was meant to take. I'll take that learning every day. Yeah. It was, and it's, yeah, I don't remember any of the things I learned in it, but I remember waking up the next morning and it's like I just saw this bright light shining all the way to Byron Bay and I rang Isabella and just said, just, do you need a business partner? And it was like, it just connected. She was just like, oh my God, that's exactly what I need. Like she just knew she wasn't getting anywhere with the business mm-hmm. on her own. So I moved up. So you moved. Like you just, you went. Yeah. I love a good epiphany. Yeah. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> so you moved up. How'd that first year go? 
Two sisters working alongside oh, each other? What so did you bring good. to the party? Well, I just brought this ideas and just, just, it's like, well, look, the next bit was out of desperation. I, yeah. I went up there. I, I was in debt anyway. Um, and I went up there with no money, no, you know, no job, no money. Um, and Isabella had no money anyway. And so she just let me into the business without paying her $5. It was just nothing. Yes. And all of a sudden I was like, okay, this needs, this. we need to make some money. We need to. It needs to go from not supporting one person to being able to support two people. And I got a job at a cafe and then we just didn't stop working for the next two years. Like every minute, late nights, we'd have Sex in the City playing on our laptops in the in the office and we'd just stay up till all night making jewellery and, you know, I'd, we'd, we'd work on photo shoots and I'd photograph it and then we'd I'd work on fo- Photoshop all day and... It just didn't stop for that first two years. Were you in heaven? Oh, it was the best thing yeah. ever. It was so exciting. I, I, one, back in Sydney when I had been workshop, I'd sit in cafes over coffee with my girlfriends trying to workshop ways to be happy in my career. And it was really hard because the only thing that I was passionate about was Native American vintage turquoise jewellery. Hey, I love a niche. Yeah, and it was just too niche. And I was like, but how can I turn this into a career? And I remember going to a shop in in Double Bay that sold this turquoise and I sort of was like, I really want I, I want to do this as well. And they're like, yeah, no, you can't do it. It's too hard. Don't don't even bother. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. And all of a sudden I was using jewellery to make – I was using turquoise to make jewellery and I was surrounded by everything I love. And So, so would it be fair to say – well, it sounds like you both have um, – you're both high-end creatives – did you? Who's got the business brain? I have the business brain, but I was yearning for creativity, and I think that the creativity now for me comes out of ideas. And yeah, right. Ideas for the business or yeah. ideas for product? Business, product, marketing. Everything, all, all marketing. I yeah. love that. We'll be talking about that shortly. <laughs> so, so, Lizzie, it sounds like a great move. Two years of, of working your proverbial ring off but enjoying every minute of it. Um, tell us about the moment... I'm assuming there was one when you've looked Isabella in the eye and kind of had a little chuckle and gone, I think this is going to (laughs) work. Oh, wow. I think it was pretty slow. When you say two years, I mean, I think it was probably four years that we kept saying for the first two years, I don't know where I heard it, but for some reason I was reassured by the knowledge that no business turns a profit for the first two years. I don't know why I thought that, but for some reason I heard it somewhere and I was like, it's okay, we don't need to make a profit for the first two years because no one does. And so we just kind of kept going. And then I was maybe, it must have been two or three years and we met with a lady who we'd got a contact and she was an accountant. And she must have seen something in us because she took us under her wing and she just kind of was like, no, you've got something really good here. Something's even though we still weren't making a profit, but she could see we were about to start making a profit. What did she see? Because, you know, like there's no shortage of anything in this world these days, right? So um, I say with all the love in the world, there's no shortage of, of fashion labels. Yeah. What, what did this accountant see? I don't know. I don't know what she saw. I think she probably saw the business model that we'd created without realising it. What was it? Um, well, the business model was... Every other and look, I don't know. She had never worked with other fashion labels, so she, I don't quite don't think she recognised it as being unique. But most other fashion labels, when they 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 go to market, they go and they try and get other shops to stock them. 
And so they'd go in and they'd create a wholesale business mm. and then as internet started to come to the forefront, they all went and got online stores as well. But we tried to get wholesalers, but it was we just kind of realised that we were getting more traction with our retail customers online than we were with our wholesale customers and we just didn't bother. So we just said, let's forget about the wholesalers and just sell our product to the customers that we're meeting at the markets and then meeting mm. online on blogs and Makes all sense. of a sudden, I guess our profit margin allowed us to still to this day be 100% self-funded. So nice. we were, you know, the, the profit margin was four times anyone that was doing wholesale and so it was the only way we, I don't know, it, it meant that even though we weren't making a profit, we were very quickly getting to a point where we could create more categories and create more things because we had money coming in from these sales and then being able to put it, and it all went back into the business. Oh, yeah. So, we didn't, so you're, you know, we didn't pay ourselves you're making for the coin. first two years, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're just putting it all back into the business. Yeah. Tell me, Lizzie, there were some happy times along that way. Uh, I could just see that workshop and Sex in the City playing in the background, <laughs> two sisters working alongside each other. I'm sure it's an emotionally charged environment. Tell us about the tears. There's never been any tears. I there's don't no, believe there's no, it. There's no... I'm really? Sure think there really... I'm sure there has been, yeah. maybe. Tears of joy. I think possibly stress from just... At the beginning, as we were still building the team around us, there was definitely stress, but probably just from me trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then when the children came, when our oh, yeah. kids came, and that... To, oh, yeah. Well, that's the tears. They're, they're the tears right yeah. there. I forgot about that, having kids <laughs> during all this. Um, Isabella got pregnant first, and I remember moving into our new office, which is where we still are now, and walking in and just buying two big cans of oil-based, oil-based white paint and tipping them on the ground and then just getting a, a roller and just rolling the whole floor white <laughs> and then painting the walls one coat and then realising this is ridiculous and getting someone else to come in and do the yeah. second coat. But she was at home with morning sickness. And to me, yeah, like sitting in the hospital with a one-day-old baby, paying wages on my phone, oh, yeah. you know, crying, like that was the hard part. Yeah. But now we have a big enough team around us that it wouldn't be as scary to go back and to have another one. <laughs> Tell us about team because I know you, you consider team to be a critical success factor in, in Spell and yeah. the Gypsy Collective success. Uh, when did you start employing and how yeah, that go? Was, well, I mean, I don't know if we're allowed to say. We started employing backpackers <laughs> just to help us start making the jewellery so that we could um, – we were getting RSI in our wrists. We got yeah, a right. big order from Sports Girl one day just out of the blue. Nice. And, yeah, it was like 150 or 200 necklaces um, that take about two to three hours to make each. How, how does one – just hold the thought around, team, how does one get an order from one of the biggest fashion retailers in Australia? Yeah, um, well, one of their buyers was at a local store and uh, Island Lux, which is a real destination shopping experience in this area, and um, they saw our necklaces hanging there and Brilliant. contacted us, made an order. Yeah, the best marketing is a great product. Yeah, <laughs> um, and we we, we realised that we just couldn't make all of these necklaces by ourselves, so we we contacted another jewelry jewelry maker in the area and got her to start helping us and then we kind of was like this is cool we can get someone else to make the necklaces if we teach them how to do it and that was our first thing basically getting in girls teaching them how to make jewelry and then getting them to make product for us and all of a sudden instead of being able to make three necklaces for the markets we had 12 and then 
you know, and the, and and what we were doing it was just putting all these. Make, Spelly was di- designing necklaces, and putting I was photographing them, putting them on the website, and then whenever we made one, we got the girls to make six. Uh-huh. Sorry, whenever we sold one online, you know, because at the beginning it was like one order here, one order here, two orders here. And then we literally were just making them to order, but when we were making that one necklace, instead of making one, we were making six and then putting it into our inventory. Um, and then we just hired more people and then one of the girls that we hired was a graphic designer in her former life. And we're like, oh, well, we can now get her to do graphic design. And then it just as the categories grew and we were, all of a sudden we're doing clothes, um, another girl came and worked for us who came to intern with us from the UK it sounds like um, people for you has been relatively easy. I speak to a lot of – and you've got 50 staff now, right, or 51? Now we have 50 staff. I mean, our recruitment process now is, is obviously like a well-oiled machine. It's great. You know, we go through um, fashion recruitment agencies and uh-huh. it, it's, it's, it's really professional now. But at the beginning it was like, oh, did your friend – Oh, your friend's a, an artist? Oh, well, maybe she'll be able to make jewellery. Bring her in. Is it fair to say that um, there, become, there comes a point where the brand means so much to a certain category of people that they're coming to you? Yeah, that's where we used to – we used to put our job positions on Facebook. That's how we used to get uh-huh. our staff. And our customers would be like, I want to come and work for you. Why don't and you still do that? Why pay a recruitment agency when you could be doing that still? Because the people we need now, uh, we need them to come with, you know. The, the, the people we're having to recruit now are the, are the higher end managers. Uh, it's, getting, so, it's getting serious, isn't it? Yeah. We, that's, and that's what we, we've got, kind of got to this tipping point where all of a sudden we had all these great, passionate creatives working for us and we realised that we need a whole bunch of people to manage them all yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. allow their workspaces to be really, oh, yeah. you know. yeah. You know. You've got you've got fifty odd people, all all in Byron, right? I mean, is the whole of the business is is it is all the manufacturing done out of Byron? No, all the manufacturing. Our we've sort of backed off on the jewellery now. Uh, we, once we sort of started to realise that all of our customers wanted clothes more than jewellery, we just kind of allowed jewellery to be like a little side category, uh-huh. and we went more into the garments. And we started getting our garments made in Bali. And we've now expanded to Bali, China, and starting to explore India. Wow. Because you've got clothing, bride, accessories, kids, homewares. It's a big... Yeah. How, many, how many SKUs? Oh, I don't even know. I don't know. Hundreds. I'd have to get the girls to... Hundreds, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bali. That's an f- interesting first step. Well, so Isabella was um, holidaying to Bali with her husband, who surfs, and... Um, while he surfed, she started walking around the streets and walking into like leather, leather, mm-hmm. leather artisans, and so she'd go into this leather thing and just, "Can I sit down with you on the on the ground and just cut up leather and start doing things with you?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So she just sat down, and all of a sudden, she's like designing a bag, and they're making it with her, and you know, then she walks past some, you know, a fabric store and buys two sarongs and gets them to make it into a kimono, and it was like. Any idea you have over there, they can make it for you immediately. Mm. Mm. And that's what basically started to happen over there is she just started having these ideas of design and getting them made and then bringing them back and selling them for the next few months at the markets and then going back to Bali and then making more and, you know, found fabric in Byron, took it back to Bali with her, got it made into boots and then brings them back and, yeah. So it's such a great story, Lizzie. So your 50 staff on the ground in Byron are very much – uh, creative, managerial, um, web, online, all that, everything's run out of there and then manufacturing is all offshore, right? 
Yeah, that's okay. right. Okay. To wrap some numbers, uh, other numbers, give us a sense of where Spell on the Gypsy Collective is at now. Can you talk about turnover? Can you talk about number of sales a day? What, what can you give us? Go on. There's no one listening, by the way. It's just you and I. <laughs> I can't give you turnover figures. We don't talk about that. Um, it's in the millions, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we made our first million-dollar month three or four years ago. How'd that feel? Amazing, amazing. Did you stop and have a shampers? Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't work it out till afterwards when I looked at the figures and I was right. like, oh, wow, there you go. There you um, go. No, it was, it was um, when we had that first meeting with our accountant, she sort of said to us, what's your, what's your five-year goal? What do you want to achieve? What's your five-year goal? Mm-hmm. And Isabella and I just said, what we want to do is we want to be able to pay our rent and we want to be able to go and do photo shoots for our label all around the world and design at least four collections a year that we're really proud of. And that's what it's allowed us to do. And when we're out, you know, on a tropical island shooting a collection that we're really proud of, it just feels like, yeah, we're winners now. This is amazing. (laughs) What a great account. I'm guessing she's still with you, right? We've just moved on from her. Um, Yeah. But she's still a good friend. She's she, she's been amazing for us. Is there a reason? When we won the Telstra Awards, we rang her up and said thank you. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> you just outgrew her? Yeah. I think um, the main reason was when we started a U.S. company, um, uh, we needed someone who understood U.S. tax law as well. And to have two yeah, different right. accountants was just going to be too messy. So we had to kind of move to someone who is an expert in U.S. and Australian tax mm-hmm. law. So. so let's talk about distribution um, before we finish on the all-important marketing. Um, you're online and you've got a store in Byron Bay, correct? Yes. And you are wholesaling? Yes. Okay, all three. Um, what's mm-hmm. the split? Well, that, yeah, I mean, that's basically our business model is the split being what it is, which is about 70, around 70% um, online. Yep. And the rest being wholesale in our retail store. Okay. And um, we work really hard to keep that split staying at that level. Uh, wholesale started to blow up and we really had to cap the sales until our online caught up again. Yeah. It was very easy to keep taking wholesale orders and all of a sudden you end up at a 50-50 split and all of a sudden you can't do your next buy. Well, you and your have- margin's been shot. Well, that's that's what we just can't. We wouldn't be in business if we were a wholesale business. We know that. How long ago did you open a store in Byron? Um, two and a half years ago. Why? Well, we had it. We the first office that we opened, well, which we're still in now, um, which is in the industrial estate in Byron Bay, and we had a front area which started off as a little retail store, and you know you'd get dribs and drabs of people in, but. You know, we know how many people shop in Byron when you come up here. When I used to come up to Byron, all I would do would be shop because it's just so much fun because you can get into a different character. You know, you don't buy the clothes that you'd buy in Sydney, like your Subi jeans and your white cool yeah. T-shirt. You come up to Byron, you want a big flowy dress and you want to just get into that holiday vacation spirit. And we could see that that's what everyone was wanting. And the overheads here was just were just so affordable. Like, I think we've got our first shop for like $700 a week or something. Wow. And we're talking kind of Main Street-ish? Well, it, this is what we do. It wasn't Main Street, but we turned it into the strip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, okay. That's really, that's really cocky. Um, no, no, that's cool. Uh, How do you do that? No, there were some, already some wonderful um, 
boutiques down one end of the shop, but we kind of placed ourselves where we could afford it up the other end of the street. But it was just around the same time that a really cool cafe, Bayleaf, cool. opened was opening across the road, and then around the corner was Ahoy and Island Lux, and now it's a, like a real little hub. But we've just moved away again, put ourselves somewhere totally different now Why? than everyone else. Why? Um, well, after we outgrew the space, yeah. So it was a really small store, and um, because our our brand is so online based, we wanted to give our customers a bit more of a tangible experience. And we've just um, purchased a little um, shop front at a, a little property uh, just on the outskirts of the town area. And now when they come in, they can visit the courtyard and we have um, activities every Saturday in the courtyard. Like, um, yeah, every, it's, it's so much more of an experience. So it's a destination. It's become a destination, yeah, yeah for our, our customers. Can you imagine opening up another outlet somewhere? Yeah, that's definitely on our next little plan. That's our next plan to, to open up a few similar spaces, you know, in Sydney or Melbourne. Hmm. Yeah. Do you love it? Yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited actually. It's definitely it's the retail. You know, the, you know, there's so much talk about retail being dead, but it's. I think if if it's special, it, it can be a really special way to give a, a customer that usually shops online a really different experience. I, I think you're right. I think experience is a key word here and I don't think retail said people always want to go, will always want to go out, interact, yeah. have fun, social, have that social experience. But I, I continue to be surprised and let down by retail experiences that I have or, or lack of experiences. I, I mean... Yeah. It's, it's mind-blowing. I mean, at what point doesn't a shop owner get that the internet is a threat? I know. I, I, I think if the two work together, I mean, everyone talks about that buzzword, on, well, you know, the buzzword of the last few years being omnichannel, I think. that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a buzzword-free show, by the way, so just yeah. be careful on those. Um, <laughs> we'll have to take that offline if you keep it up. <laughs> I know. It's probably, it's probably over that word now, but <laughs> I think being able to offer that, that experience that it that the on the the in store experience should mirror the online experience or even the social media experience and vice versa. Mm. You yeah, know, you've yeah, got totally. all these beautiful images on on your social media, and they go into your store and there's no heart or soul, then you're not you're not you're not finishing off the sentence. You know, well, I not. think it's quite exciting. I mean, for me, it's Apple. You know, I can go online and I like the Apple website and I like flicking through it, but then going into the store and having that real life experience, which which matches what mm. I you know what I get online, that's exciting. So I can imagine for people who are into spell um, yeah. and they love the website and they love your social media presence, then being able to come in and and eyeball it, it yeah. would be really exciting. And that, I mean, that was we people thought we were creating. Um, retail suicide when we moved out out of the main strip mm-hmm. um and you know people talked about well what about your peel off rate you know as people peel off as they move further and further out of the oh, out of the main the strip peel off rate yeah sorry another buzzer <laughs> <laughs> um and one of my marketing girls used to work at lismore shopping square and yeah. she said elizabeth the peel off rate's gonna kill us and i was like oh, i don't know i don't think that applies i don't know what the peel off is i just was, really special. Yeah, i was only selling um, things in the market yeah. a few weeks ago i, I know, I know. <laughs> peel off rate what um 
Let's talk about um, let's talk marketing. Um, you, you talk about the importance of authenticity of the spell story. Now, authenticity. You want to talk buzzwords? I mean, that's yeah. a word that gets thrown around a lot. I, I get it, and I think it's I think authenticity um, gets an unfair run because I think it's important. But what do you mean by that? Look, uh, it's there's so many. I mean, it's, it's I've been having this conversation a lot lately um, because you know there's the whole conversation about bloggers and how they're getting paid now to spruik you know, different products and, you know, d- does that make them lose their, you know, their, cre- their you know, can you still believe them? But yeah, are people, are people turning away from that kind of thing? But I think that just, I mean, authenticity, if you continue to be yourself and let that play mm. through on all the different channels that you communicate to your customer on. Great way of putting it. You, yeah, then you feel kind of, you can, but we all know, we can all smell a rat, you know, it's such it's a it's a weird little comment because I've I've been on panels before and we've spoken about it and people always say, make sure you're authentic, make sure you're authentic, mm. and you know I mean it's kind of like make sure you're authentic with your friends, make sure you're authentic in life generally. It's mm. kind of just be yourself. One hundred and one living in the world, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it is. It really you is. Know? There's so many different conversations around authenticity. I mean we. I think one of the reasons we've been successful is because it was such a grassroots kind of bootstrap business that it couldn't not be authentic because it was just what we loved doing. There was no let's make a million dollars or let's let's create this brand because we think it's trending. It was just let's do what we love. Oh, look, we can sell what we love. Mm-hmm. Awesome. People like it. Let's talk to our customers. Oh, my God, they're so cool. They're just like us. Let's keep having conversations with them. And so it was very easy to be authentic for us because it was just what we did. You know, um, being authentic, when it's you and your little sis, Isabel, you know, it's easy because you've brought basically what you grew up with into product, which you start selling. But as you start to put on people and now you get to 50 staff, Mm Is, is it difficult to maintain that authenticity and bring people along for what is essentially your ride? Um, that's a really good question. We have a really, really robust recruitment process and we have a lot of contact with the people before they come on. And people tend to gravitate towards our business because they, they love it and they yeah. want to work for our business. Um, I mean, for one thing, most of the time they have to move up from Sydney. It's not like they just... Mm dropping in and starting a job. It's a big decision. And I think most of the people that have come and worked for us um, fit the culture really well and we make sure that they fit the culture. Um, It hasn't really been an issue for us to make sure that the story plays out in our team as well as as from us. They all – I don't think they'd work for us if they didn't like Isabella Mm -hmm. and I. Um, And we've had people move on because maybe they didn't fit the culture and they just kind of, you know, step away and maybe they're going to try this now. And it's happened all pretty, you know, seamlessly, that side of things. Organically, as you would expect from a business in Byron Bay. Organically. You, for many years, in fact, only up until recently, you didn't spend a lot of money on marketing, if I'm correct. You spent a lot of time creating great content and Mm. pushing it out through social media. Is that kind of how it worked? I mean, if you, if you see, we just, I guess, invested in different areas. Um, like we spent a lot of money on our photo shoots and marketed them ourselves on social media. So we, the money was going, you know, to the budgets we put to our photo shoots are actually really 
quite large. Mm-hmm. So to say we didn't spend money on marketing is not probably true, but in terms of traditional senses, we, we only just recently got a PR agency, mm. um, which has been really exciting and feels like we're starting to have a bit more of a, a presence in Sydney now and, 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 and in LA as well, which mm-hmm. is nice. nice. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we never spent a single cent on advertising ever. Other than other than your, your photography, so you do these yeah. great. Uh, uh, it's interesting because I interviewed a lady; uh, her name escapes me. But a couple of years ago, she was the number one seller on Etsy. She has a business called Three Bird Nest, and um, yeah. she talked at length about the importance of photography. In fact, the importance of the same model um, and the same style, and just creating a consistency and a look that was her brand. And I guess looking at looking at your website. You've kind of done the same. You, 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 you know, it's imp- the, the the level of quality control is huge. Yeah, it's so big. I mean, mm. Sophia Amoruso from Nasty Girl talks about that as well in her book, um, Girl Boss, where she talks about literally making sure that an image has can't just look really good when it's big. It needs to look good as a thumbnail as yeah. well. Because um, when you're scrolling so. through eBay and they're like this big, it needs to have a really good silhouette on it that big where people can barely see any pixels, you know, and I would Massive. never have thought of that, you know, but it's like on Instagram, you've got these tiny little tiles and it needs to work as a, you know, as a feed. Almost all images that we create as businesses these days, whether it be a logo, a photo, an update, whatever it is, first and foremost, it's got to work on a small screen. Yeah. Oh, well, we've been going through that at the moment where I'm trying to drum it. You know, my graphics girls have these humongous desktop computers and I'm just like, get rid of them. I don't yeah. ever want to see one of those desktop computers again because, one, you need to create an image for me that looks good on not just my iPhone 6 Plus, it needs to look good on an iPhone 4 yep. that's that big, you know. Yep. So that text is too small. That image needs to be, pro, you know, portrait size, you know. The, and I'm, we've got a rule now that they have to design the website for mobile first. Mm-hmm. And then they can design the website for desktop. Like that rule, love it. Tell me about <laughs> um, the, the different social channels, Lizzie. Um, what works best for you? Because you, you're on Insta, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. We're on everything, actually. That I mean, that's a huge piece of advice. I would I would give. Um, Get on everything, even if really? you're not using it. Make sure you've got your handle. Oh, yeah. Grab your handle, your at tag, whether it's on Winello, it's on Polyvore, it's on Vine, even those platforms that you don't think are going to blow up. No one saw Snapchat coming, but it's been around for a while, mm. you know. So grab your handle, um, even if you're not planning on using it, because it can sit there and passively gather followers, you know. Mm. Um, I don't think I've been on Google Plus once, but my husband set it up for me just because I was like, I can't do it on my own. Just do it. Yeah, I can't right. be bothered. It's too yeah. many. But um, but the ba- the ones that you mentioned, yeah, they're they're the basic, they're the the, the main ones. And the one that surprises me is Pinterest. Mm-hmm. We can follow, you know, obviously through Google Analytics, we can follow the revenue to the dollar of of what of what's bringing in the revenue for us. Mm-hmm. And Instagram's definitely the biggest, but Pinterest plays a big part. And we were surprised um, recently. We we've always allowed our Pinterest account to just sit there and passively gather followers. We've got some boards. We do occasional pins. You know, it, you, you got 57,000 followers. you got 3,500 yeah, pins. Eight, eight weeks ago, we had 25,000 followers. What did you do to du- we just double it? We it love. Yeah, right. We, literally, in eight weeks, we doubled the amount of followers we'd gathered in over five or six years just See, by actively using it and being – just by being active on it which yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? So if we've been active on it and actually pass, like, you know, actively 
giving it love for the last six years. Can you imagine? Well, exactly. And, and I reckon Pinterest gets a bit of a raw deal. I mean, it's always sort of the, the fourth or the fifth social media channel talked about. But one of the things it does, particularly for a business like you, it, it gives it's, you boards or playlists, right? Mm. And and you can break like you have. You've broken it up into Wildflower, Bohemian Bride, yeah. um, all these different collections or whatever you whatever terminology you use. But yeah. it just makes sense. I can imagine it. I could imagine it overtaking Insta if you really kind of put it's a lot. Just of... well, it allows it, it drives traffic. That's all. Mm. It, that's what it does. It drives traffic to your website because anything that people pin from your any of your sources, it's it a, will follow it back to you. So it's a backlink. On yeah. So it, no matter how many people pin it, 100 people could pin it, but if someone clicks on that image, it still goes back to your blog or back to your website. Mm, mm. And, um, it, it, yeah, we've just been shocked at how much, just by giving it love, it, it, it's blown up in the last few months. Do you it. have social media managers that are dedicated to individual channels? No. Or? Yeah, well, we've just started. I mean, I've got one marketing girl who works has been working with me for a year. She's like... A dynamo. She's amazing. And then we've had another girl who's been working in customer service and events, and she's come on now as part of the marketing team. So there's three of us now, and I still run everything, but I'm slowly starting to give platforms away to these girls who I now trust. So Lulu's been running Pinterest, and she's been giving it the love, and she's, she's now responsible for that. That's amazing, Lizzie, that you are the boss of 50 people and a multi-million dollar online brand and you're running the social media? Yeah, well, <laughs> the plan is to slowly allow – I mean, Instagram's hard because it is – We've got been a control my freak here, guys. Got a control yeah. freak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Instagram's the hardest. I've tried to give it away to the girls sometimes yeah. and hand it over and say, okay, and then I just can't. I just go in there and go, okay, you should have posted that square, yeah, not rectangle. You should have. isn't it? I don't like that comment. That's not the right grade. And all of a sudden it loses. It's the one I'm holding on to the tightest, but yep. it's also the one that takes up the most time and, you know, challenges my marriage. And, wow. you know, when you're in the, in the evening and you're sitting on the couch and you know you've got to do two posts that night and yeah. your husband's looking at you waving his arms like this. Yeah, and it's, it's a romance bad. killer. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes oh. I just go lock myself in a room and no one knows I'm there and just do two posts and then I can, like, put my phone down. Two things. Um, I did ask you before we hit record about the name um, because it's quite interesting, your, your response. So the business is called Spell on the Gypsy Collective. The domain name and your social media handles handles is Spell Designs. And if you go to the website, the header has just the word spell. It's all over the shop. It. <laughs> that's another piece of advice I'd give to people is get it all really clear. We never did any branding. We don't have a um, you know, a, a, a branding guidelines or a style guide or any of those things in our business. We're just starting to work on those now. Um, but mm. yeah, when we started, it was spell. Um, the first, when we literally had an old, you know, the clunky first website that we had that we couldn't even change ourselves. She had to go in and do it with HTML. And I started to try and learn HTML, but couldn't work it out. And, um, she created the web designer just thought of the name because she went to put in spell and it was taken and then she went to put in spell jewellery and it was taken and so she just put spell designs and all of a sudden that was our website before we even it just was because that was it was already functioning and we just we'd kind of got too far along the line to go back and change it so so Um, the big learning here is it doesn't matter don't wait for all your ducks to be in a row focus on creating 
That's really funny that you say that because my advice was going to be try and get it all in a row, but you're right. It doesn't matter. Well, like, you know, it clearly it doesn't. Confuse people. And, I mean, the only reason it's spelled the Gypsy Collective, if I'm completely honest with you, is that when you, we started and we were spelled jewellery, you type in spell jewellery into Google, you know what you get? How do you spell jewellery? In the Northern <laughs> Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a nightmare. Or spell jewellery, like magic spells and, mag, you know, yep. it was a whole big debacle. And I was like, okay, so I need to put something in our name that makes us Googleable. And for some reason, Gypsy just kept coming into my head. And I was like, spell the Gypsy. And then at the time, we had all these different artists in our office because we were subletting because we couldn't afford the rent ourselves. So mm-hmm. we, I just kept called it Spell and the Gypsy Collective because it just felt like a big collective. And it just stuck. Um, and it still helps searchability you know if people put in spell but if i put in spell gypsy or spell byron bay or spell designs or they can put in whatever they're going to find us <laughs> yeah love it and, and by the way spell listeners is isabel's nickname is that correct yeah yeah, love yeah. It. hey um one last thing i noticed you've got a 230 page beautiful looking coffee table book that kind of oh, yeah. um covers the brand and the history to date what, what was what was that the uh, thinking behind that? Well, we'd always wanted to create something like something for our customers that's sort of tangible and all these images and amazing photo shoots with humongous international models that we've that we've shot with, and it's all just on our blog at eight hundred and seventy pixels wide. You know, so yeah. Well, it used to be eight seventy, now it's fifteen hundred, but it was all just online digital, and we wanted to create something beautiful and tangible. So um, we had a friend who lives up here again creative community she started frankie magazine um and uh they left frankie and created that started their own um uh boutique publishing house Mm -hmm. and they hit us up and said do Uh you want to make a spell book and we're like we've wanted to do that anyway let's do it and i said we're only going to do it if it's like i want it to be like let's start and let's finish let's not let this drag on and we did it in six months wow from start from the first mo- from the first email to when it was published and we had our launch party, it was six months. <laughs> was it a good idea to do? We absolutely love it, and we're so proud of it. Right. And there's not one page that I would change in the whole book. Um, I wouldn't say that it was a huge money making mm-hmm. thing. It's something that you know ticks along, um, and our customers have loved. But it's not like you know all the issues flew out the door and we made a million dollars. It was just it's there now and. Yep. I can't see us making another one for quite a while, but we love it. Well, I love what you've done, Lizzie. Well done. It's a it's Thank it's you. a great story. You deserved to win the uh, the National Telstra Business Awards the other week, and I, I just think you know, like so many business owners that I speak to, I feel like you've just begun. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like that as well. Good <laughs> We're on exhausted, but it's yeah. just very Well, you've exciting. got a holiday yeah. coming up in Sri Lanka, so have a great Yay. time. <laughs> Thanks so much, Tim. There you go, team. Lizzie Abeg from Spell and the Gypsy Collective. Wow, inspiring stuff. You're feeling motivated? You should be. You can find out all about Spell over at spelldesigns.com.au. Beautiful website, beautiful photography, I've got to tell you, if you know what I'm saying there. Now, coming up, uh, I share my top three attention grabbers from that fireside chat with Lizzie. But first, here's a word about a couple of businesses that want to help you build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. Support for this show comes from Key Person of Influence, a business accelerator program that reeks of success. 
I asked co-founder Glenn Carlson to share some breakthrough results. Every day I'm seeing people posting evidence of the transformation from them being an operator to being a key person of influence. So, you know, as a result of them publishing a book, they're getting invited to speak at global conferences that they've only ever dreamed of attending, let alone being a speaker at. Or an organisation decides to buy 3,000 of their new product that they would never have been able to take 3,000 orders if they were just a single operator. Or their pitch, getting them into a deal that is 10 times bigger We see evidence of this every single day and I look at this every single day to the point where it's become the water I'm swimming in. KPI, where the results swim, I mean speak for themselves. For a free hard copy of their Amazon bestseller, visit keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. Support for this show comes from Web Central, who love building small businesses' websites that not only look great, but get you more customers. I asked Verity Ma, their chief marketing officer, to share her top three business website must-haves that are simply non-negotiable. The three must-haves for an effective website, I think, starts with a clear call to action. So when you get a visitor to that website, what do you want them to do? Also, the website needs to be mobile-friendly because there's a huge growth in the number of visitors coming from their mobile, searching while they're out and about. And then finally, a professional design that reflects your brand. Because if you think about it, the first time that a potential client or customer interacts with your brand is on your website, they're going to have an immediate view of what your website does and whether you're trustworthy. Web Central, helping you build trust online fast. Check out webcentral.com.au forward slash Timbo for exclusive listener offers. Now, my top three attention grabbers from that wonderful chat with Lizzie. Number one, authenticity. I do love Lizzie's definition of what is a much overused word in marketing circles. Lizzie simply described it as being yourself. Yeah, easy. If you want to learn more about that amazing concept of being yourself, which sounds kind of weird, really, because it should be incredibly easy, then check out the episode I did with Julie Cross, aka Miss Sparkle, who goes deep into how to own your space. I'll put a link in the show notes for this episode over at uh, smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 331. It's a great interview to listen to. Attention grabber number two, small images. Lizzie's rule of designing for the mobile screen first is critical if you want your marketing images to work. And that applies to logos, taglines, photos, social media posts, everything. Design for the small screen. If you want help with that, check out webcentral.com forward slash Timbo. They'll sort you out. Uh, Attention grabber number three, perfection. Or should I say lack of perfection. I love the fact that the brand has multiple versions of its name. Spell on the Gypsy Collective, Spell, Spell Designs. Now, whilst that's not ideal and a bit untidy, it hasn't affected them growing a multi-million dollar fashion empire. So, if you're waiting for everything to be perfect before you, you make your next move, you might be waiting a long time. Instead, take a leaf out of Lizzie's book. So that's what grabbed my attention. I'm going to dare you to go over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 331 and leave a comment 
in the show notes. I love that. I know I ask all the time. Sometimes you listen. Sometimes I get 10, 20, 30 comments. Other times, bagel. (laughs) Nothing. A big fat donut. That's okay. I know you're listening, but I would love to hear what piqued your attention. Smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 331. Hey, uh, before I share this feedback that a motivated listener has left me on the Apple iTunes store, can I just point you in the direction of a 70-second survey? Might be even quicker. That is sitting over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 331. If you've got time, go ahead and fill it out because it's going to help me create an even better show for you. It's got to be good. Hey, win-win. We like win-win. Now, I've got this uh, listener review left for me amongst many others, which I will get to over time. I've read them all. I just can't read them all on the show all the time. Um, this one's from NJ Reed. <laughs> no relation, but I'm going to call you Redos. don't know if it's a guy or a girl, but I'm going to call you Redos because I used to get called Redos at school. They say five stars. Get your dictaphone ready because you'll need it, is the headline. Hey, Timbo. Hey, NJ. Redos. Finally, after listening to years of encouragement from you, my shell of lethargy has cracked and I've succumbed to the iTunes review for the Small Business Big Marketing Show. It's about bloody time! What took you so long? Years. Isn't it amazing? Great marketing lesson there. We can plant the seed now... And it may not be reaped for years. Not a lot of... It's a sort of cold comfort, isn't it? Because we want everyone to act now. But, you know, not everyone's ready to buy now. But you've got to plant the seed. So you may as well start now. Back to Redos. Not only that, but I've purchased The Boomerang Effect. That's my book. Thank you. And look forward to filling it up with scrawls, doodles and highlights. Yeah, I do that. Get the pen out, get my favourite pen out at the time, or highlighter. I prefer pen. I prefer a nice thick ballpoint to scribble on my books with. Amongst my favourite episodes, how to build your personal brand. Wow, that's like episode four with Luke Harvey Palmer. Episode four, that was seven years ago, Redos. I also liked how to sell a house using social media. Yeah, that was a good one. It was a bit of a, a smoky, that one. Came out of left, left of field, or whatever they say. Didn't expect it to be good, but it was. And Tom O'Toole. Yeah, Tom O'Toole. I'm seeing a conference in three weeks' time up in Byron Bay. You wouldn't believe it, would you? And Tom O'Toole is one of the speakers. The conference is for a past guest of this show, too. Isn't that lovely? We're creating a family. I digress. Back to Redos's iTunes review. I could go on. <laughs> Why, why not? I do. That's me saying that. But the important point is each and every episode has unique tip bits. Say that fast. Tip bits, tip bits, tip bits, tip bits. Yeah, there you go. But as you say, the key is in capturing them and then actioning, actioning them. Absolutely. That's where the magic lies, Redos. Have been using video exposure to good effect in our industry, which is agriculture, to expose our people and systems. <gasps> I hope you're exposing them in a good way. I know what you mean. Getting them exposure, building their profile. Videos, good like that. Marketing can do that. It's good. Helps generate inquiry. 
It's a great time as unfortunately for us, agriculture tends to suffer a little from the let's do what we've always done syndrome. Well, Redos, I'm not sure that that is um, just peculiar to agriculture. I think many industries, many business owners go, yeah, we just always done. Run another ad in the local paper. She'll be right, mate. Hey, just another ad. We'll do another letterbox drop. We'll go to another networking event. Yeah, but then you get what you've always got. It's good to kind of to challenge the norm with some new marketing, and that's what I talk about a lot in The Boomerang Effect. You should buy The Boomerang Effect if you haven't, because it's a good book, over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Redos, take care and keep up the undoubted hard work going on behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there is hard work going on behind the scenes. It's fun work, though. For me, it's a hobby. It's a hard hobby, and I love doing it. Cheers, Timbo, from a fellow Scotsman. Huh, I must have mentioned I had some Scottish in me. My mother's a McNaughton. She's 90. She was 90 yesterday, my mum. Got a big party for her this Sunday. McNaughton, maybe I should find my tartan, wear my kilt and my spotting. Hey, thanks, Ritos. Thank you for that iTunes review. Everyone, if you're still listening, because I rabbited on a bit then, I know, that's okay. If you are still listening, leave a review, please over on the Apple iTunes store and include, which Redos didn't, a marketing question. And I'll answer it on the show. There you go. Two for the price of one. Okay. Well, that almost wraps up another episode of the Small Business Big Marketing Show. Did you like it? I liked bringing it to you. I'll do it again next week. Got another great interview. Another great interview. That presumes, that assumes that previous interviews have been great. Well, I think they have, hey? Someone's got to believe in it. Next week, you and I hear from a 19-year-old high school dropout who's now a San Francisco-based app developer employing 68 people and making gazillions. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those cliched stories. But I've got to tell you, he has a very, very liberating view on how to grow a business to the point that I almost didn't believe him and thought he was pulling my leg. Interesting interview, and I do call him on it during the interview. I love finding out what makes motivated business owners tick. I remember a chat I had a few months ago with Courtney Olson, the founder of the In Your Face fitness brand called Girl, G-Triple-R-L. Very in-your-face brand. She'd just very courageously dropped her entire marketing budget on sponsoring UFC, you know, that fighting, that cage fighting thing, underdog, Holly Holmes, in an upcoming title fight. Here's Courtney explaining how she successfully uses intuition in her decision-making. This stuff should be taught in primary school. This stuff should be taught in business school. And it's not taught anywhere. And it's not actually an art form. It's science, right? So if we, you know, stop and actually first become aware and we hear the term mindfulness and all these different things thrown around and, you know, the power of positive thought and thinking, well, all of that is is true. 
and it, it really just starts and I'm, you know, if we had a weekend, I would share a ton of stuff with you all, but being that we're here for a very short period of time, you know, it all just starts with making a conscious decision to start exploring that realm and understanding that our minds control absolutely everything and that we are all connected. You know, the, if I can say one piece of advice to check out would be the biology of belief by yes, Dr. Bruce Lipton. You can hear my full interview with Courtney plus hundreds. I'm talking hundreds more over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com or love you to go and subscribe for free on iTunes. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. So feel free to email me, tim at timreid.com.au. Hit me up on Twitter, Timbo Reid. Do you know there's even a Small Business Big Marketing Facebook page where I share the lighter side of marketing? You could join that. Hey, be sure to grab a free hard copy of the Key Person of Influence book over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. But only if you want to become more visible, valued and connected in your industry, you know. And remember, you are who Google says you are. So be sure to visit webcentral.com.au forward slash Timbo if you'd like a custom website built and managed for you. If you love the Small Business Big Marketing Show, then go and pay it forward by letting another business owner know about it. Until next week, I'm Timbo Reid. Always have been, always will be. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.